0: Coming up on Grow in Grace. By this, my father is glorified. We know that word means weight. It means displayed to the world. By your life, God is displayed to the watching world. What you do, what you say, how you act, when pressure's on, when pressure's off, you are a witness for him. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much
1: fruit. I are now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick meal and the cripples stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I say, Let this world know me by your love. There is a joy that comes from knowing and abiding in God's love. And we'll focus on that very thing today on growing grace. Pastor Ed is about to emphasize God's great love and the joy that he wants to give us. And oh how we need this reminder. Especially in times of difficulty when we can begin to question the Father's love. We start to think things should be different or better. Maybe that's running through your mind even as we speak. Well let's turn over to the Gospel of John chapter 15 Hear what Pastor Ed has to say.
0: You need to be connected to the vine, Jesus, so that he can bring fruit in your life. Verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Okay, he's been at the Last Supper, and he spoke to the disciples, and then what did he do? He washed their feet. And you'll remember, there was a conflict between Peter and Jesus. And Jesus is working his way around. He gets to Peter, and I love Peter. Peter's always got his foot in his mouth, and he says stuff that I probably would have said had I been there. Okay. So Jesus said, i got to wash your feet, Peter. Peter said, no, no, not my feet, Lord. I, I don't deserve that. He was too proud to let Jesus wash his feet. So Jesus said, Peter... Unless I wash your feet, you'll have no part of me. Love Peter, he goes clear the other way. Well, then wash me all, Lord. Start with my head all the way down to my feet. Jesus said, no, Peter, you don't understand. You are clean. It's just your feet that are messed up, dirty. Why? Wearing sandals, Jerusalem, first century. Walk through the streets. Now, Jews are very clean people. They all take mikvahs every morning, like a bath. Totally clean, put on a fresh robe, put on their sandals, and go out the street. First century Jerusalem, the street had a V in the middle, and donkeys, and camels, and horses. (laughs) I'll let you fill in the blank. And so you got sandals on. And you're walking through it. And the sewer, people would just throw their garbage right out onto the street. You're clean, but you had to walk through the street to get to the Last Supper. Now, if you were going to a friend's house in first century Jerusalem, the youngest slave, lowest guy in the totem pole, would meet every house guest at the front door with a basin of water and you walk in he dropped down he'd unloosen your sandals take your sandal off and wash your feet that's why john the baptist said when he saw jesus i'm not even worthy to untie his sandal strap but that picture is of your feet are dirty the rest of you is clean that's what jesus was saying peter what's he saying to you and i You had the same thing happen this week. You walked through the world. And this world is full of caca. And your feet got dirty. You need to be washed. You are being catharsis washed right now by his word. Not because I have any special power. The word has the power. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing. God's word—it all fits together so well. This gigantic puzzle. When you see it and it goes clock, you go, ah, "Ah!" It's an aha moment for the rest of your life. Why do you need to have fellowship? Why do you need to come to church? Why do you need to hear me read it? You can read most of this because you need to hear it, faith comes by hearing. And you need the fellowship of other people. Well, pastor, I love the church. It's just the people. I know. God will take anybody. Look around. He took me. That's the hope for all of you. Look at the pastor. Goodness gracious If God had take him. There's hope for anybody on the planet. You're right. He's amazing. So... We come and we fellowship and we study God's word so we will be washed. So when you leave, you look at your feet and go, glad I got all that off. Verse four, abide. Stay connected, plugged in. Abide in me and I in you. God in you, the Holy Spirit, Jesus taking up residence in you as the branch can't bear fruit of itself. Unless it stays connected, abides in the vine, neither can you unless you stay connected with me. You can't do anything spiritual in your life. It won't last. It won't have that quality unless you stay connected. Abide. Eight times he says that. I think he's trying to get something across to us here. I am the vine. Verse 5. And you, you're the branches. He who abides stays connected in me and i in him in you in her bears much fruit went from some fruit to now much fruit for without me you can do nothing now i've tested this verse many times in my life i've tried to do a lot of things without god and it used to work when i was a heathen dog I could start stuff and I was relatively successful. But then something happened. I married this girl, and some of you know the story, and, and she started praying for me and ruined everything. <laughs> I couldn't do anything after that. And finally she said, well, just go to church. Oh, no. I went to church my whole life as a little kid. They had a gun to my head, but I went, so I went to church. August 13th, her birthday, wonder why I was there, 1972, Redondo Beach, California, 8.15 in the afternoon, I raised my hand. Anybody who doesn't know Jesus, please raise your hand. Duh, I'm the only guy in the room. And they all got so excited, they started crying, look, he's accepted Jesus. No, I just answered the question. (laughs) I don't know Jesus. And you guys are crazy to think you do. I'm the only sane one in the room. That's what I was thinking. But I also prayed. What? I said, God, if you're there, show me in a way I can't deny. Dangerous prayer. You ask God if he's really there. If you're sitting here as an atheist right now, as I was till I was 26 years old, a professional scientist teaching evolution, and you say, God, if you're real, show me. I want you to do it right now because we all want to watch you. What's going to happen? God's going to answer your prayer. He answered my prayer. And so now I can't do anything without him. Nothing spiritual that lasts unless it begins. And that's why every morning when I get up, I say, God, I give you this day. Forgive my sins. Go in, open the Bible, read a little bit because if I don't start my day that way, it's a total waste the rest of the day. I'm telling you the dead truth. It happens almost every single day. That's how I started because of this verse. Without me, you can do nothing. And like I said, I've tested that. That verse is true. If anyone does not abide in me, verse 6, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them in the fire. Oh, no, they're talking about hell. It's not about hell, okay? Hell is real, but that's not what this verse is talking about and they are burned. Okay, he's talking about the judgment throne of God. Okay, so about five years ago, we had a group from the church, and we're in Corinth, the city of Corinth. And Raylan and I are sitting there, I was just going through some notes, getting ready to teach. And the guy walks by and says, hey, you're sitting on the Bema seat. I said, what? He said, look. And I looked, and sure enough, there's a big sign, Bema judgment seat. And that was where they gave out the rewards for the game. In Greece they had games in Corinth and they had games in Athens. Athens we know, the Olympics. The games in Corinth are called the Isthmian Games and they would compete, the two cities. And if you won in the one of the events in Corinth, they would tell you to stand on this stone, the judgment seat, and they would give you a trophy or they would give you the reward for winning the race, whatever you were in. And Paul uses that illustration, that idea, when he wrote the first letter to the Corinthians. And he's talking about the place where you and I will get rewards in heaven. He says, this is 1 Corinthians 3.13. Each one's work, the things that you've done, becomes clear on that day. Day of judgment, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. The things that I've done, the things that you've done, trying to be spiritual. If anyone's work, which he has built on, endures, he will receive a reward. You're in heaven, you did it right, you got saved, but there's also a reward coming. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Now, I can't tell you exactly how this is going to work. I'll let you know the way I think about it, and I may be schizophrenic, I may be completely out of it, but I think it's going to be something like this, okay? So we're in heaven, and we're standing in a line. We're in. Hallelujah. We made it to heaven and I turn around. Bob is behind me. And I'm standing there with all the things that I've done. And I'm feeling pretty good about myself because I got a big pile. Look at Bob and I says, I'm thinking, is that all you got, Bob? And I'm thinking, man, look at this pile. And we're in line. But we keep hearing this noise. What was that? I don't know. But Jesus is up there. We're in line to see Jesus. Okay. And we keep hearing that sound. And finally, I get up there. Bob, you know what I mean? Hey, look, I got my, my stuff here. And Jesus looks up. He says, oh, hi, Ed. Yes, Lord. He said, you got a torch in your hand, Lord. Yeah, we're going to test your good works. And he puts the torch to it. And he goes. And I go. Lord, there's nothing there. There's nothing left. He said, oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Look, look right here. (laughs) See that little speck of gold? I don't think I do, Lord. Here, let me get it for you, Ed. Here, and I'll put it in your crown. There, there's your reward. Now, I don't care about rewards, okay? I'll be happy just to be in heaven. And you can find me at the front door. I will open the door for you to come into heaven. Because that's what David said. He said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to live without him. So you'll find me and I'll just say, hey, Susie, how are you? Look, you made it too. Hallelujah. What's that sound? Don't worry. Just get in line. (laughs)
1: That's Pastor Ed Ray, and he's covering John 15 today on Growing Grace. Let's get back to our study now.
0: If you abide in me, verse 7, and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it will be done unto you. And my selfish heart says, I want to win the mega-lotto. Honest, Lord, I'll tithe tell you what, I'll double tithe. I'll give you 20% Jesus. And when I buy my new Corvette, I'll take people to church. (laughs) Trying to do these bargains with God, right? No, no. What he, whatever you ask the desires of your heart, because you have God in your heart and you desire what he wants for you, you'll get it all. All you have to do is ask according to his will. So That's the second section. Last section, joy, verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified. We know that word means weight. It means displayed to the world. By your life, God is displayed to the watching world. What you do, what you say, how you act, when pressure's on, when pressure's off, you are a witness for him. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So, you will be my disciple, Not just fruit, but much fruit. He wants your life to be, get this, significant. He wants your life to matter for eternity. It's much more than an education. It's much more than some goal, lofty goal you've set for yourself. It is what... He does with your life when you surrender it, and you'll find that you're made exactly for the thing that you're trying. And you'll say, Well, you know, I can't trust God to give me my life. He'll, he'll send me to Aaron gyra where all those headhunters are still around, and they'll eat me for dinner. No. He'll take you to the place that you're already excited to be there. Uh, I was talking to a young lady, and she was saying, I've always wanted to go work in Mexico. I said, go. We send down two teams every month. One goes to orphanages and takes food and, and diapers to the kids that are in the orphanages. And the other one goes to a battered woman's shelter and go with one of the groups, and it'll change your life. I'm saying the same thing to you. Just go and say, God, I want some fruit in my life. I'm going to give my weekend away. Well, Mexico's unsafe. You live right next to San Bernardino, please. <laughs> <laughs> the drive-by shooting capital of the world. People tell me that. Well, I don't think I can go to Israel. It's not safe. <laughs> okay, San Bernardino. Go to D Street after dark. Tell me how that works out. Verse 9 as the father loved me i also love you get this in the same way that father god loved jesus is the same way jesus loves you jesus loves you Oh, pastor he loves everybody he Loves the whole world that's not what he said you are unique you are the only person on the planet with the DNA molecules that you have. The 46 chromosomes you have, nobody else has. It doesn't matter if you have an identical twin, they're not identical. It doesn't work that way. You are uniquely you and God knit you together inside your mother's womb, Psalm 139 says. You say, well, I don't like the work he did. Tell him that. You know, I'm too tall, I'm too short. My ears are too big, my ears are too close together, my eyes, my nose. What? He made you the way you are. Rejoice in it. You are uniquely you. And just be the best you that he wants you to be. Let him have control of your life, and you will be super you, okay? All right. He loves you. This young lady was telling me, I can't believe you lost me. Well, why? Because I've been so bad in my life. I don't want to know about it. But she said, well, I've had a divorce. Divorce isn't the end of the world. Well, it was really, you don't have to explain it to me. Jesus loves you. Two guys last night said, hey, bro, <laughs> he said, I spent time in the slammer. I said, can God love me? If you knew the stuff I knew about you guys, let alone about me, you'd say, God will take anybody. He will. He'll take anybody. I don't care how crazy your sin is, how far you've been from God. You can be sitting here right now and say, as a guy said to me, but dude, I murdered somebody. He said, well, you're in good company. He said, what? Moses murdered the Egyptian. David murdered Bathsheba's husband. That's why we read Psalm 51 together. And Paul the apostle was Saul who was murdering the church. So you got three friends in heaven. And some of you are going, hey, this is a weird church, man. And it is. But listen, we have the whole gamut. We also have, and I'm thinking of a specific couple in the church. They've been married for like 60 or 61 years. They've been coming to church here for like 30 years. And the worst thing they ever did was they, he said, he told a lie in second grade. Really? Well, how could God let you in the kingdom of God? The point was, he's religious. He's religious. His children are religious. They come to church here. And his grandchildren come to church here. You can be religious and Jesus will still love you. What? That's spread from people. I would scare you. Prostitutes, drug addicts, pushers. Don't make me go on. On one end. And then absolutely perfect citizens. I fit kind of to the right side of not so perfect, okay? So, these things I have spoken to you, that I'm speaking to you right now, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be, the word is overflowing, full, completely overflowing. So, two enemies of joy. The first one is, unresolved guilt and that's really what I was talking about you got this guilt from whatever when you were seven and you stole the piece of bubble gum from the local grocery store you thief how do you resolve guilt you say God forgive me that was a sin what If we're faithful to confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, don't I have to walk a thousand miles? Don't I have to climb a mountain? Don't I have to slay a dragon? Don't I have to swim a river? No, that just gets in the way. You just have to say, God, I accept your free gift of life. So that's unresolved guilt. That's the first greatest enemy of joy. The second is unrealistic expectation about yourself. You know, I always thought when I had the world by the tail, when I was a young guy, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to marry the most perfect woman in the world. Truth is, she is. (laughs) And I'm going to have perfect kids. I did. And I'm going to buy a a nice house, and and I'm going to have a wonderful family. And I did it wasn't enough i didn't have joy i was constantly struggling to be better because i had this unrealistic idea expectation that i would fill in the blank be and do listen i'm just i'm a guy from mentone really mentone you admit that to people not often get your eyes off yourself put your eyes on him on jesus that's what Hebrews twelve two says. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the one who began it, and the finisher of our faith, the one who will take us all the way home. He is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the Heavenly Father.
1: A great reminder from Pastor Ed Ray to place our eyes upon Jesus, no matter what we may face. And this is Grow in Grace. We're going through the Gospel of John together from start to finish. For a CD copy of today's message, just call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or you can listen online at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find an archive of past radio programs there, too, which comes in handy should you miss a message on the radio. Go to thepackinghouse.org and look for our radio page. Growing Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners. God is doing a great work through radio, and you can be a part of it. And when you support us with a gift of any amount, we want to say thanks by sending you The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. This is a classic devotional that has moved the hearts of believers for well over a century. Each chapter focuses on one attitude of God, from God's infinitude to his immutability, grace and goodness. I think you'll find it to be both theologically rich and approachable. Again, we'll send you the knowledge of the holy when you give a gift in any amount to grow in grace. Just give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And we want to hear from you. Even if you're not in a position to be able to give, whether it's a word of encouragement, a comment related to the study, a question or a prayer request, email us today at packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's Radio at aol.com. And then join us next time as together we grow in grace through a study in John's Gospel with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is presented by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Zion, build with hands, and high. blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said let this world know me by your love.